From the studios of Teeing It Up in the Swamps of Jersey, this is Teeing It Up with Jeremy Schilling for Wednesday, uh, May 9th, 2018, and we welcome in from Boston, Mr. Danny Flecker for another edition of Off Your Chest. Hello, sir. How's it going, man? Um, we, we were going to do a, a post-first-round draft podcast that never <laughs> occurred. <laughs> Which happens a lot in the podcast world. Yay, we're going to do this. Yay. Uh, no, let's not do it. Um, so, uh, we are ready to go now and actually have that conversation. So, as you think back to the first round of the draft or anything about the draft, what stands out? I think the first pick became uh, clear later on that day who was going. And I think it was a surprise to a lot of people that that Mayfield went number one over individuals like Josh Rosen. But uh, I think that uh, the fall of, of some players, too, like uh, Lamar Jackson, a lot of people thought he might be going to the Patriots, he ended up going in the first round, but not until the last pick. What was a little interesting, I think it just goes to show you that no matter what's being reported, what's being said, who says this, who likes that player that... Nothing really matters. It's all smoke being blown up our ass, and you gotta wait till the day happens to actually see what's gonna take place. Um, we have talked at various times um, about the Giants and Saquon Barkley and direction and the smart pick and the wrong pick and the right pick and the ten thousand different ways you can do it. Now that you've heard from the Giants as to what they were thinking, as you saw Baker Mayfield go one. And Sam Darnold sitting there. Um, are you happy with how it went? Yeah, I mean, you and I were together after the first round, and we were talking about it. And it's funny how people speak out of both sides of their mouth. Like, well, Barkley's the best player available in the draft, probably the best prospect in his position in the last 15 years. But picking him in the top five would be a mistake. And it's all because of value and this and that. So is it a good pick or is it a bad value? It's one or the other. I think that when you take a guy like Barkley or you take a guy like Fournette or Elliott or whatever it might be in the top five, top ten, whatever it is, that it's an extremely safe pick. You, I think, get more return on it than maybe, say, a quarterback. Um, unless I can't miss offensive lineman prospect or defensive prospect to get more bang for your buck. And I understand where Barkley is valued at right now as a running back and a rookie and everything else like that. But for the Giants, you get possibly two more years with Eli Manning, even if he is a top 15 quarterback. That's better than I think you're going to get from any of these rookies coming out the next two or three years. And throw on top of that, you know, you can rebuild from within. You yeah, invested two picks on quarterbacks in the third and fourth round. You can develop those individuals. And, and you have a guy that's going to come in day one, automatically make your team better, whether it's in a passing game, running game, uh, offensive line play, whatever it is, he's automatically going to make the team better. So taking a guy like that was something that I thought was a no-brainer. And I thought the Jazz could end up with either him Chubb or Nelson, who to me were the top three players in that draft, take away position or anything else like that. I thought long term, those were the three best picks for them, and they went with the guy that was number one, at least for me, for them to get. Um, 
One last thing on the NFL draft. Josh Rosen, um, he was a pissed off, unhappy man by the time that draft ended. Was passed by a lot more teams than he think that than he thought. Excuse me. Okay, take two. He was passed by a lot more people than he thought was going to happen, um, or, or or thought were going to take three. <laughs> I can't say this damn intro. <laughs> Josh Rosen got passed over by a whole bunch of teams he thought might have picked him before he eventually got picked by the Cardinals. I think he's in a good place with the Cardinals. Do you think there's any carryover? Because, you know, everybody says, oh, I got a chip on my shoulder. I'm pissed off. I'm unhappy. I'm, I'm going to come in every day and camp and work, you know, 46% more because I'm pissed off how I was treated in the run-up to the draft and, and during the draft. Think there's any carryover? I think that when you have that mentality as a player, uh, it, it can be both positive and negative. To me, when you when you make comments like that, were you not going to work as hard if you got picked where you wanted to get picked? Uh, you know, that to me is a stupid thing to say. You know, you should be working hard regardless of where you're picked. You have a roster uh, roster spot to fight for, and nothing's guaranteed, especially in the NFL. So to hear comments like that, but okay, well, if you got picked first, would your mindset have been any different, or would you be thrown in the towel? Um, that being said, we did talk about the draft earlier. I, I saw I saw a potential Aaron Rodgers slip with him, and it just so happens Aaron Rodgers is one of his biggest mentors in this draft process. But I think that Rosen ends up in a spot that probably allows him the path to the most playing time. The spotlight will be off of him in a media market that, that is Arizona, whatever type of media market that is. Uh, but that team has uh, a lot of holes to fill, and um, it's with a brand new coach and the offensive line kind of stinks, and there's not really that great of a skill set as far as positional players are concerned. I mean, you do have Fitzgerald and David Johnson, but really not much else from there. But uh, I think that that the stack is stacked a little bit against him, but I think out of the top, out of the four quarterbacks taken in the top ten, he might be the one with the best future, just given that he is. I think the best uh, passer and pure quarterback out of all four of them. Um, all right, Red Sox got off to such a hot start. They were the it team. They are what seventeen and two, seventeen and three. They have cooled off mightily since then, and then they run into this Yankee team that's trending in the right direction. A, what's the tenor up there? And B, as a Yankee fan, what's your thoughts on what's happened with this divisional race over the last three weeks? Well, the Red Sox started off so hot, and everybody was, was all up in arms about how they were going to run away to the division. Uh, you know, I remember after that first Yankee series, I was getting text messages and emails about how the Yankees stink and John Carlos Stanton was a bust, and they don't have enough pitching and everything else like that. Um, but it, it was April, and now we are here in May, and despite the start the Yankees had, and despite the start the Red Sox had, they're both tied in first place. So... Uh, at the end of the day, I think Boston and the Yankees are going to be there fighting, at the, fighting for the division. But up here, you got David Price being a little baby again, his numbness in his hand, whatever it might be. Jackie Bradley Jr. stinks. He's like three for his last, like 40. Mookie um, Beck has missed a handful of games with like little minor injuries. So uh, I think. If you're the Red Sox, you have to be a little disappointed that you started off 17-2 and two and had like a nine-game lead, and now it's the beginning of May, and that, that lead is nothing. 
the Yankee fan, their players, I thought they'd play. Their offense is, is humming. Stanton is, is hitting for power. Judge is hitting, you know, for average. His numbers are a little down, but I think that will come around. Didi has been all world so far. Um, the one concern I have with the Yankees is their bullpen hasn't been as strong as I thought it'd be. And uh, Gary Sanchez, while he's putting up monster, you know, statistical numbers, his average is way low. That that needs to go up for the Yankees to have a more balanced lineup. But uh, their reinforcements coming. Drury's in the rehab assignment. Bird should be getting back by Memorial Day weekend. Uh, Tanaka, CC, and, and Sonny Gray seem to have a kind of turned a corner, if, if you want to say, and provided some more depth in that starting rotation. So. Look, and the heart's been great since he came up. Torres has been great since he came up. It's the kids. It's not, you know, everybody talked about Judge and Stanton and these veterans. It's got nothing to do with any of that. It is how these young kids have reacted and uh, played some of their best baseball, some of the best baseball of their lives starting right out of the gate. Yeah, let's not forget that Judge and Sanchez, too, are under 25 or 26 or whatever. Um, so they're still young, too. I mean, you have four position players, and maybe when Bird gets back, five position players that are under the age of 26 that are, are the meat of your lineup and, and the core of your future there. Torres um, and Anduar have been awesome. Anduar started off slow, but he started to pick things up. They're playing good defense, you know, behind the pitching staff, so... Yeah, this guy's a little for that team. They just have to make sure that they don't strike out as much. You know, last week they had a game against Verlander. For some reason, they cannot hit for the life of them. And they struck out 14 times. You know, half of your outs are, are strikeouts. That's not good. So they got to get a little bit better and making contact, I think. There are some games where they, they tend to disappear a little bit on the offensive things. But it is a 162-game season, so I understand that. But... Uh, I, I love the way they're playing. 10 games over 500. They've won, what, 15 out of the last 16 games. And uh, if they can take two or three out of Boston here, I think that's real momentum for them going into the summer run. Um, last thing, obviously, I would think the Celtics are going to eventually get past Philly with a brief interruption. What Brad Stevens has done without their two best stars is just incredible. Uh, but what LeBron's doing is also incredible. A one-man wrecking crew show right now that's that, that will soon be rolling into TD Garden. You're in Boston. You've seen this team a bunch. Is there any way the Celtics can stop the Cavs? I mean, they, the Celtics for the last four years have been this ragtag bunch of individuals, and this was a year that they were supposed to finally get over that proverbial hump and with Kyrie and Gordon and, and right from the start it, it wasn't that way and they still finished second in the East they are every single game Tatum who I thought was the best player coming out and they got has been awesome especially in the playoffs Jalen Brown's been a little slow recently due to some uh, hamstring issues but they have found production from players that no one I think would ever have thought like Rozier and Shane Larkin and Aaron Baines and these guys that people, you know, seem to write off and they just somehow make it work for the Celtics. And if they do play LeBron, uh, they have home court advantage and they're undefeated right now as of today, you know, at home. Uh, 
the crowd really gets behind them. I was there for game two against the Bucks. It's a great home crowd. I think if they play LeBron, you're, you're probably seeing a seven-game series. The, you know, I, I'm not a big basketball guy, but I, I do follow it, and I, I don't have, like, a team per se, but this Celtics team is fun to watch. I'd love to see them go as far as they could. Pardon me, which is they had Kyrie and Gordon, so we can really see if they could challenge the team down in the West. But if I'm the Celtics, the team I want to play, if I make it to the finals, it, it's Houston. I think they'd match up better with Houston than they would with Golden State. Have there been any murmurs about Mr. Haywood making a cameo appearance? You know, they've said... Hello? Hello? Hold on, hold on, Danny. Looks like Boston Cell Service is going in and out. Let's try again. Uh, Do you think Mr. Haywood will make an appearance? It is still scrappy. Cell service in Boston. Can you hear me? We good? I, I think you're good. Well, let's try this take three. Do you think we'll see Haywood? No, I don't. I think that all the fans want to see him, but I think at this point, you've, got, you've gotten this far with the team you have. Ride him out. Let's see what they got. And let Haywood come back fully 100% healthy. Don't put that pressure and expectation on him that he's going to be some sort of savior to, to win a finals. I don't think Hayward makes a, a difference for them whether or not they get there or not, but, you know, let him get healthy. Let him and Kyrie get healthy. Figure this stuff out over the offseason and retool for next year. And, you know, hope that everybody stays healthy next year and where you can have a full team to go after the Warriors and, and Rockets and wherever LeBron ends up playing. Uh, is there anything else you want to say while on this podcast? I'm good for now. We'll see. It's going to be an interesting couple of weeks here with the NBA and, and baseball going after it. And um, the NFL, before you know it, will be back too. So I think that there's um, mini camps coming up in a couple of weeks. So we'll, we'll see what, what comes of that. You are forgetting about the players this week on Golf Channel and NBC. I am very disappointed in you. Oh, I forgot the World Cup, too. The World Cup starts in, like, three weeks, so... <laughs> well, this is what happens when Italy's not in it. You just... It yeah. slips your mind. Yeah, it's very disappointing, to say the least. But uh, soccer has a big couple of months coming up with the Champions League finals and uh, the World Cup, too. So that, that should be interesting. It gives us something to do over the summer where there's that lull between um, the playoffs ending and, and football starting, so... Do you have a pick right now for the World Cup? World Cup? I mean, you got to look at the favorites, Germany, Argentina, Spain, uh, Brazil. But an interesting fact is that no South American team has ever won a World Cup outside of the Americas. So with the World Cup being in Russia, it's going to be interesting to see if that, that streak ends. Uh, right now, if I had to pick a team that would go all the way again, I'm going to go with... Argentina, they just do. They, they have players on that team that are in their final, sh- I think their final shot. Messi, guys like Kingwing, uh, they have a lot of good young players. There's no reason for them not to win it, but they seem to choke on the biggest stages. But, uh, you know, I'll give it to them as my, my favorite right now. There you go, Danny Flecker. Thank you for coming on Teeing It Up with Jeremy Schilling. No problem, man. Have a great day. You got it. Enjoy, everybody.